Thank you, Pastor Tito. And thank you, Sarah. Yeah, th- um, the, the, my favorite thing about Sarah leading, she got some country in her, man. I feel like I'm in, in, back in Tennessee and that girl leads worship. I love it. I love that country voice. That's great. Hey, welcome. Thank you for being here at New Life Patterson. My name is Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here for this location of New Life Christian Center. And we just uh, thank you for uh, visiting with us this morning. If you are uh, new, then uh, if, you, if you're visiting with us this morning, then we have a gift for you. We have our brand new mugs. All right, don't those look good? For all of you that say, no, I can't stand the Giants. But here's a little uh, secret. Uh, our pastor, our CEO, our pastor loves San Francisco Giants. And so since he's leaving, he's on his way out. Uh, they did this uh, to honor him. So black and orange is our new uh, new life uh, mug. So anyway, if this is your first time here, we have a gift for you. This is our gift that we have for you. It's just a little token of us to say, hey, thanks for checking us out here this morning. So before you leave, if this is your first time, as you go through those doors, you'll see our welcome center there on your left. And either Pastor Tito or Miss Anna will be there and they'll put one of these in your hands just to say thank you for checking us out. And also, if you are here for the very first time and you don't have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. Uh, Also, if you came prepared uh, to give this morning, we just want to say thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, Those of you who are engaged in that spiritual discipline and giving is an act of worship. So if you are already participating in that discipline of worship and giving, we want to say thank you so much. We couldn't do what we do without your generosity. Um, and uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to share with you because a lot of people I think wonder, where does my giving actually go? And so you can look around, you can see the physical things. You know, if you're comfortable in here this morning, it's because you provided air conditioning for us. So thank you for that. So I don't have to sweat up here while I'm preaching. So those are just some of the things uh, that your giving goes, goes toward. But a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Tito approached me and he said, hey, um, I don't know if there's anything that we can do, uh, New Life, but the canopy, the pop-up canopy that we're using for uh, the food pantry, the Church Without Walls food pa- pantry that we helped start, Uh, back during the pandemic, he said, it is literally, they have shoestrings holding it together. And I said, no, 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 not on New Life's watch. That's not happening. So we were able to take over a new canopy, a new 10 by 10, so people can sit in the shade and they can wait for those cars to come through and they can pray for people. That's just a one physical, tangible thing that you're giving goes towards. So we can help do things like that. We've we've, uh, created new signs uh, because none none of the other churches have a graphic arts uh, department like we do at New Life. And so they were just using these, these signs when they first started, basically, you know, card, you know, cardboard with, hey, food pantry. No, nope, that's not happening. And so we, we made brand new signs with A-frames and, and did all that for the food pantry. So y- you did that for the food pantry. That's what our giving goes towards. And then another thing that I wanted to share with you, just a couple of times this week, I got to have conversations with people in the community that, uh, that needed Jesus. And the reason why I was able to have those conversations, the way that the reason why Pastor Tito and Anna and I have the bandwidth and the flexibility to be able to do that is because we're multi-staffed. When I was in Wisconsin, we had a church, we had about 300 adults, hundred kids every Sunday morning. And it was just me. I had a, a, a quarter time kids person who would help out on the weekends. But other than that, <clears throat> it was just me. We were so short staffed and I was going nuts trying to meet the needs of all those people. We had a, we had a team of guys. We had a men's leadership team. We had a, amazing volunteers trying to make this happen, but I was going nuts. And one of the first things that 
uh, that I said when Pastor Brett and Pastor Dave hired me to start this campus, they said, what can we do to make sure that you're successful? And I said, give me some staff. I cannot do this on my own. And so we were able to take on Pastor Tito and Miss Anna to, to help kind of divide up some of the responsibilities of being a pastor. And so because of that, that's, that's because of your generosity that we were able to do that. And this week, I was on my way to the, to the pastor prayer group on Thursday morning. Every Thursday morning, the pastors in the community get together and they pray for each other. And so this Thursday, I was on my way there. And man, something was just in me saying, nope, you're not going there this morning. You're going to Kevin's Cherry Farm. And so I'm like, okay, Kevin had been inviting me for a couple of months to come over there, kind of check out the process. And so I went over there, popped in, said, hey, man, let me check out, how, how do I pick cherries? And so he was taking me through there, and uh, me and 70 other workers, and we're picking cherries and putting them in the containers and kind of going through the process and everything. And before I knew it, I was in a 45-minute conversation with a guy who needed Jesus, and I was able to talk to him about the hope and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ in his life. Listen, the only way I was able to do that, the only way that Tito gets those opportunities in Miss Anna is because we're multi-staffed. I'm not stuck in my office all day. I'm able to get out in the community and have those conversations, and it's because of your generosity. So I just want to say thank you so much. That's what your giving is going towards because it creates moments and opportunities like that, like that as for us as a staff to have those conversations. So if you're here for the very first time, uh, you, this does not uh, uh, apply to you. You can sit back and just allow God to really do something in your life today. This is for people who call New Life Patterson their home, but we just want to say thank you for your generosity. And there's multiple ways you can give back to God through New Life. You can do that through the app. You can do that on online. The most popular way is you could just drop it all over there in the giving box before you leave this afternoon or this morning. But we just want to say thank you so much. Okay. We love you guys. Okay. Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. We've been in this book for a while. Uh, for the last few weeks, we wrap up this, uh, series actually next week. We, we go to Ephesians chapter, uh, six. Did I say six today? Five. Five. It's five today. Ephesians chapter five is where we are at today. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be wrapping up this series uh, next week. We've been on this series called One, One Faith, One Lord, One Family, and what that looks like to uh, embrace the identity that Jesus has given us to be in, to serve one, to serve one Lord, to be in one faith and to be together as one family. So last week's message was kind of a part one of what it looks like to live out this new life, right? We've surrendered our life to Jesus. We have uh, made this proclamation and we've made this decree that we are now uh, a new person. We now belong to God. What does that look like to leave the old life and embrace this new life? So we started diving into that last week. And today we're going to finish up in part two of this called live it out. More accurately, I think it could be kind of a one-two punch from the apostle Paul. So there is going to be a little bit of overlap from last week into this week, but it's because Paul wanted to hit this topic so incredibly hard about what it looks like to be different on the outside if we made that inside change and to live out this new life in our words and in our actions and in our attitudes. And it's really, if you think about it, it's really a chance to live out God's love in all of our lives and in the lives of those around us. So we've seen historically that love is really a movement. The word love and, and the feelings of love, the actions of love is a movement that causes a revolution. We're seeing it around here week after week in how God is changing people's lives. 
God's love steps up and it does something on the inside of us and then around us. It shakes up some of that, some, it shakes something loose on the inside of our hearts and we're never the same. When we've had that genuine encounter with Jesus Christ, we are never the same. And that's what church was meant to be. But off to, all too often, we know this, that church uh, in, today, to, in, in today's society because it can become a settlement where life is missing, where hope has been ground down and love is just one more word on the wall. But I'm telling you that when you encounter God's love, when you truly encounter God's love, when you are around the love of God, it is meant to shake you up. It's, a, it's meant to shake some things on the inside of us loose, and we get to watch it happen. Today, the revolution is happening all around us, and it was also happening back when Paul wrote this letter to the church and to the believers in Ephesus, this fractured culture that they were living in. It's the same thing that we're going through today. And Paul boldly steps up and says, hey, if you want to start a revolution, if you want to get involved with a revolution, how about getting involved in this revolution? How about joining this revolution in your culture right now, which is to fully know and embrace one Lord, one faith, one family? And then he says how to do it. This is how you do it. To embrace this new revolution is to do this. Make the most of every opportunity to do good. And then a revolution will happen. You will actually live watching this move forward, watching things in your life, watching things in culture move forward if you take advantage, if you take every opportunity to do good. This is the kind of life that you were meant to live. And some of us, we get this part, right? I can remember uh, when we lived in Wisconsin and our kids were just like growing rapidly and we had this one door frame in our kitchen that we would actually mark their height every birthday. And then we had their initials by, you know, we had C and then T and then S and then E and every birthday we would mark where they are and put their letter beside and we could physically and visibly watch as our kids were growing. And then when they got taller than me, I stopped because I didn't like that. But we could actually watch them grow. It's normal. It's what's supposed to be happening in our lives. We're supposed to grow physically and we're supposed to grow emotionally and mentally as we get older. And the Apostle Paul wanted that kind of spiritual growth for us in our lives. Let me ask this question. Have you ever come to a season in your life when there's this moment inside of that season that it is absolutely 100% clear, you're, you know that you're about to take a step forward. I mean, it is just like crystal clear. That's happened with Janet and I in our marriage when we moved to Colorado, when we moved to Wisconsin, when we came here. Those years leading up to that, especially the year leading up to that, man, it was the, some of the most restless times of my life. Just for months, for weeks, for months, for days, I remember just being so restless and Janet could sense it in us. And she's like, something's coming. We're about to move. I'm like, I know it. I feel it too. But you can feel that it's just like with absolute clarity. Maybe for you, it's been in a relationship when you realize, wow, we're about to take the next step. I'm going to ask this girl to marry me, or I, I can see myself settling down and getting serious with this guy. This is about to get serious. Or maybe it's in the doctor's office and you just got a report that you didn't expect. And now everything got really, really clear for you. We have to make some changes. Last time I went to the doctor, she said, Jeremy, that bottom number on your blood pressure is a little too high. I'm like, well, 
what happens if I lose some weight? And she said, then it goes down. I'm like, Lord, help me. Now I got to lose some weight. But maybe it's a spiritual step when you're sitting here in church and you're listening, uh, you're listening to a message or maybe while you're reading scripture, or maybe while you're in some quiet time between you and Jesus and he reveals some things to you in a very personal way. I've been listening through Ephesians. We've been in, this, we've been in the book, uh, the, the letter of Ephesians for a few weeks now. I've been listening to, to different translations and the latest translation I've been listening to is the message translation. And there have been so many moments over the last few weeks where Paul's words just echo in my head. Things like, you are chosen by God. You are the one that Jesus loves. He is making a masterpiece in you. So we're going to read some verses together, and then we are going to backtrack just a little bit through, some pre- through the previous chapter going back into four, because I believe that God wants us to realize that we are called, that he is inviting us, that he is, he is unctioning us to be different, and it's time for us to seize the moment. So stand with me, if you will, as we read. Uh, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. If you'll stand with me as we read. It says this, here we go. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now I'm going to read again, but I'm going to personalize it. Listen how personal this can be. I will be careful how I live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. I will make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. I will not act thoughtlessly, but I will try to understand what the Lord wants me to do. That makes it a little more personal, doesn't it, when we read it like that. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your text to our lives today. We pray, God, that you would just speak your words to your servant, to your people, and we will receive it and grow from it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So how do we seize this moment? We just talked about how God is wanting us to wake up and realize that he wants us to seize this moment to be different and to really understand the love that he has for us and how we accept that love for us and project that love onto others. So what does God want us to do? Now, remember, the doing here is not so that we can gain God's favor or not so that we can gain God's love. We've already seen that. We've talked earlier, back a few weeks ago, that we are chosen, we are loved, we are favored, we are called. And because of God's grace, the time has come for us to take those steps. Because of God's grace, it's time for us to understand what it really means to follow Jesus. So what are those steps? What do I do? What do I do to really embrace my new identity? Because the time is now. So if you're taking notes this weekend, here's number one. It's time for me to spiritually grow up. It's time for me to spiritually grow up. Ephesians 4, 13 through 15 says this. Until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Then... We will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. That's happening today, isn't it? People are cleverly covering up lies so that it sounds true. Instead, we will hold true, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. 
Paul is telling everybody, look, there's something going on in the church. There's something happening in the church right now, the gathering of believers. He said that there are, there's apostles and there are prophets and there are evangelists and there are pastors and there are teachers and they have a job. They have a calling to do. Their job is to equip you, the gathering of believers, so that you can grow and mature and make a difference in your own life, in your lives of your families, in the lives of your communities. But they, all those people, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, they can't make you grow. They have to do their part. And quite honestly, I'm part of that calling. I'm part of that group. So I have a responsibility to equip people inside the church. But you have to decide that you're going to take that responsibility with your relationship with Christ seriously. We all are responsible for our own relationship with Jesus. When we stand before God one day, we can't say, no one told me, or my wife didn't leave me, or my husband didn't do it, or my dad. No, we are going to be responsible for our own relationship with Jesus. Now, how's that going to happen? How do we take responsibility for ourselves? These aren't blanks on the back of your sheet, but you can write some of these down if you're interested. Take, taking responsibility for my relationship with Jesus means, number one, I'm going to be part of a faith family. That's why you're here today. You want to be part of a faith family. Now, I know that you are part of a family, but what I'm talking about is being a, a part of a small family of Christ followers. Because we all know that being here on Sundays, it's critical and, and, and it's part of our growing and maturing in our faith. But we all know that we really can't get to know one another here on a Sunday morning. It's hard to connect on a personal level. The latest uh, Barnes uh, statistic came out that the average person who considers themselves a follower of, of Jesus only attends a Sunday morning church between 12 and 20 times a year. I don't know how they do it. Being an extrovert, I would go crazy. I need to be around other like-minded people. I need to be around other Christ followers. I personally could not attend just once a month and say, I'm good. I need to be around other people. And I've heard people say, well, Jeremy, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're exactly right. I agree 100%. But here's, here's the way, I think, I've, I think I've talked about this before. An egg doesn't have to be refrigerated to be an egg. Right? You go to the store, take an egg, buy, buy a dozen eggs, take it home, leave it outside in the California heat for about a month. It's still an egg, but crack it open. That's the way I equate being a follower of Jesus. Do you have to be in the church to be a follower of Jesus? Nope. To be a Christian? Nope. But you stay out too long, and sometimes you might start to stink on the inside a little bit, right? Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because we need each other. It's part of our DNA to be around each other. It's why we encourage people to start life groups. These six to eight week seasons going through a specific topic or, or, or just in really spending quality time with one another, either here at the campus or in your homes, it's a great way to connect. If you ever want to start a life group, make sure you uh, uh, come up to myself or Pastor Tito or Miss Anna. You can do it based on a common interest, maybe just to get around and watch the ball games together or, or a mom's group or a motorcycle group or a woodworking group or hiking or, or seniors or whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever, whatever kind of group that you want to start, make sure you come up. We've got amazing resources to make sure that you're successful. But that's how we really get to encourage one another and lift each other up, pray for one another, dig in to each other's lives. Maybe it's serving together to where you can stay connected with each other. 
You serve with different people. It's what we do with Church Without Walls. It's a bunch of volunteers getting together from different churches and serving together. Don't choose something just on your own to where you're never connecting, to where you're never interacting with someone because then we're missing the point. There's a reason that Paul writes in the beginning of chapter four when he says, being united and binding yourself together so that we are one body. Part of our growing up is growing up together. As you grow in your faith, we want to help develop spiritual habits for our lives, right? We want to get better at those things and taking responsibility. So first is making sure that I'm part of a faith family. A second way that we can take responsibility for ourselves in our relationship with Jesus is to engage in our, our Bibles, reading scripture. As a Christian, probably one of the most important things that you can do and engage is to dig in the Bible. The Bible is inspired. It's 100% accurate, true word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active. It's more than just a collection of stories. and It's more than just a, a bunch of words on a page. It is the very word of God for our lives today. Look what 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I love that. And then watch this next part. It straightens us out <laughs> and teaches us to do what is right. When you read the Bible, God will show you things about himself. When you read the Bible, God will show you things about yourself. When you read the Bible, God will show you who you are in him. When you read the Bible, God will show you things in your life that need to change. When you read the Bible, God will teach you what it means to be a true Christ follower. And as you read the Bible, underline words, underline phrases, some of those things that stick out. This is what it really means. Write, write questions down and then seek out those answers. Memorize verses. Think about God's word throughout your day and how this applies to your life every single day. But most importantly, just start reading your Bible. If you don't have one, we will get you one for free. Reading scripture is not just one of those things that we do on Sunday mornings to kind of follow along with the messages. This is about you and I picking up our spiritual knife and our spiritual fork and our spiritual spoon and digging in to God's word. So that's another way we can take responsibility. We can connect with our faith family. We can engage in our Bible reading. Another thing we can do is pray. You think, I've heard people say before, Jeremy, I don't know how to pray. I feel awkward when I pray. I don't know what to pray. Listen, praying is just a conversation with Jesus. You don't have to use big words. You don't have to use flowery language. You don't have to know fancy terms. You can talk to God just like you and I are talking right now. In fact, as a Christian, God is your father and he is your friend. So talk to God as if, as if he is your friend and your God. In the Bible, we read, we read about Jesus himself praying. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, if this is good enough for the Son of God, then maybe I should be doing this too. Some people can do that verbally. Maybe you have a different way that you pray. Some people actually write out their prayers as if they're writing a letter to God. However it works for you, talk to God and then give some time to him to sit and listen. Give some time for him to respond I remember when I first came to faith, man, I would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I'd be like, man, I never feel like God talks to me. And, I, and I, now I look back and God was probably saying, because you never shut up. Why don't you be quiet for a little bit and let me respond to how you're talking? And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just sit in silence and just kind of sit and wait. 
But set some prayer alarms. I, I learned this from Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave used to do this a lot. He would set alarms throughout his day, and then the alarm would go off, and it's simply a reminder to thank God for something, not to actively go into this big prayer, but just say, Lord, I just thank you for this in my life right now. He keeps you in this spirit of prayer throughout the day. Part of your daily time with God should be reading this word and talking to him. Now, we all know that it's hard for us to do without too many distractions around, right? So get alone. Find some alone time, even if it's just a couple of minutes to spend time with God. So a fourth way that we can take responsibility for our relationship. So we can get together as a faith family. We can read scripture. We can pray. And the fourth thing we can do is we can live generously and we can give generously. Our giving is directly connected to our faith and it's directly connected to our heart. The questions are this, do we really believe that God can take care of us? Do we really believe that God is going to meet our needs? Do we really believe that all of our blessings come from God? If you do, let those beliefs show up in your giving. Let those, let those beliefs show up in your resources. Even Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart and your thoughts will also be. And a final way to take responsibility for our relationship with Jesus is to serve, to serve others. I'll serve others. Jesus said he did not come to be served, but to serve. And as we involve ourselves in his mission and begin to take care of the things that Jesus really, truly cares about, we're going to make a difference in our home. We're going to make a difference in our schools. We're going to make a difference in our workplaces and in our community and even in the world because we begin to become more and more like him. We grow when we take this step. And Paul is saying to us, remember, it's time to grow up. If you are different, then be different. You are not your old self. You're not who you used to be. Get rid of the old thoughts. Get rid of the old behaviors. Get rid of the old actions and embrace who you are now. It's time to wake up. So if you're taking notes, write this down for number two. He also said this, it's time to wake up. It's time to grow up. It's time to wake up. Paul writes in a very interesting way throughout these couple of chapters. He starts with this kind of cafe style, you know, you're just sitting having coffee, uh, you know, a blues cafe or a Starbucks. You're just kind of having coffee with a friend you're having this, this conversation. And it's like Paul reaches over and says, listen, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to live a life worthy of this calling. It'd be like him taking me out for coffee and say, Jeremy, listen, I'm begging you, live a life worthy of what God's calling you to, what God's inviting you to. There are some things that you're still attached to. There's still some of your old life that you're clinging to. And I'm begging you to live a life worthy of this new life, to live a life worthy of this new calling. And then he keeps on going and progressing and get, gathering intensity because it's so important. It's like he's looking at you and me now and he's saying, but wake up. It's time to grow up, but now it's time to wake up. Some of the ways that you're living are not a reflection of who you are. Some of the things in your life, because I looked at your Facebook and I looked at your Instagram, some of the things that you're doing in your life does not reflect the character of Jesus. That's what he's saying to us. That's part of the old you. That's not you anymore. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to respond that way. You don't have to give in to those old things anymore because you're in Christ. And he's saying, grow up. And then he's saying, wake up. And I can't help but think about Elijah, the prophet Elijah back in the Old Testament when he shows up and some people are worshiping the Hebrew God, Jehovah God, our God, and some people are worshiping Baal. And Elijah shows up and he's like, hey, you guys need to figure this out. 
Because you cannot worship both gods. Choose today who you're going to serve. You're either going to serve the Hebrew God of the Bible or you're either going to serve Baal. So figure it out and choose today. I'm tired of messing around with you guys. Figure out which God you're going to serve. And he forced them to make a decision that day. I encourage you to go read the rest of the story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18 because the challenge that goes out to the prophet Elijah from there on whose God is actually going to respond is a very, very interesting story. So if you're interested in it, go read that 1 Kings chapter 18. But Paul, but so Elijah saying thousands of years ago, figure out who you're going to worship. Because not all roads lead to heaven. Not all gods lead to heaven. We've got the Hebrew God, Jehovah God, Yahweh, and you've got all these other false gods, but you need to choose today who you're going to serve. And then thousands of years later, Paul is saying, writing a letter to the church of Ephesus and saying, you guys need to figure this out because you're worshiping cult. You're either going to worship culture or you're going to worship God. Which one are you going to go for? And so today, even as we read this today, we can read this and say that Paul is telling us today in 2023 in North America, figure it out. Choose which God you're going to worship because you are actually in Christ. You're no longer who you used to be. Ephesians 5.14, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. If you back up, to the end of chapter four, he says this in verse 23 and 24. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. Remember last week we talked about how do you start by changing? By changing the way you think. And now Paul's saying there should be a spiritual renewal of your mind that you are a different person. You are made new in your thoughts. You're made new in your attitudes because you are a new person in Christ. The old you is going to want to claw back. The old you is going to want to reassert itself, but that's not who you are anymore. And I love how Paul does this section. And I know that if, you, if you've read through Ephesians, this is where we generally stop and get the practical side of this, the real life side of this. But, you, but do you notice that through all this time that Paul, at the end of this one chapter, he begins to list all of these things about how stop doing these things. These are things that you're currently doing. This is your old life, but this is your new life. So I'm going to give you a list of things that you used to do and tell you how to correct that. And he says, you ready for it? This is how you, this is how you quit doing those things. Stop it. That's it. That's the only counsel that he gives. The next step in Paul's process is just to stop that. And we say, but wait, where's the method? Where's the book? Where's the podcast? Where's the YouTube video? Where's the, on, the online class? We're looking for all these methods of how to stop doing these things. And Paul says, nope, wake up. Wake up, decide you're going to seek God because you belong to him. He chose you, he loves you, he values you from the very beginning of time before you were even born. God chose you, so figure it out. Stop it. You see, if, if we'll decide to grow, if we'll decide to dig into his words and be part of a faith community like we are here right now, and we make this commitment to give and to serve, that growth is going to be what God uses to bring about that change on the inside of us. I think about Celebrate Recovery. 
I love how this incredible ministry points people to, to healing and wholeness in Jesus. By the way, if you, ever have, if you ever want to attend or celebrate recovery, they meet on Monday nights. They eat dinner at 5.30 for only $3. You'll get your stomach completely full. And then at 6.30, they have their main meeting. So we just want to encourage you. That's at the Turlock campus. But there was a speaker a few years ago at the Celebrate Recovery Summit who said this, our goal is not to save people from their hurts and their habits and their hangups. We can't actually do that for someone else. Then he goes on to say this, our goal is to help people grow deep in Jesus. And when that happens, any change is possible. Listen what, the, listen what Paul says. He says, stop lying, tell the truth. Don't let anger control you anymore. You belong to someone else. Stop stealing. Give generously. Stop using foul or abusive language. Let your words do something positive. Let your actions in your life reflect that you belong to God. Stop sexual immorality, the impurity, the greed, obscene stories and jokes. Come on, man. That's not who you are. Don't get drunk. You were made for something more than that. Husbands, give your life and your love to your wife fully. Wives, respect and honor and build up your husband. Kids, trust and obey your parents. Parents, train your kids in the ways that build them up, not tear them down. Employees, work hard for your boss and do, uh, and do it with a whole heart, just as if you were working for God. And employers, treat your employees with respect. Treat them well. That's the list that he gives. If you're doing things from your old life, he says, stop it. Grow up and wake up. Embrace your new identity in Jesus. Paul says to these things, walk in this. You are in Christ, now live in that reality. Don't just talk about these things, but do them. And we do that not by our own power, not by our own strength, but by his power and his strength. Remember, I just want to say this again. You are chosen. You are loved. You are favored. You are not who you used to be. You are in Christ. Here's our last feeling for the weekend. It's time for me to open my eyes and respond like Jesus. Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, one more time. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good. Have you ever read the story of Jesus where he healed the man who was blind? It's found in, in John chapter 9. It's a super interesting encounter. And there's really several Jesus encounters that we could have thrown into this as an example. But there's something that happens in this story that's a little different that I wanted to point out. You see, the disciples see this blind man and they start asking questions. Is he blind because he sinned? Is he blind because his parents sinned? And it seems like they're turning this man's situation into kind of a hypothetical spiritual exercise. But Jesus didn't see it as that. He didn't see this man's condition as just a hypothetical learning that I can educate these new disciples with this. He doesn't see a philosophical exercise or a way of discussing the issue. He sees a real man with a real issue. And Jesus responds with empathy and compassion. Jesus saw the need and he did something about it. He heals him. He talks to him. He even finds the religious leaders that, that questioned him and berated him after he was healed. And Jesus offered him not only physical healing, but life right in front of all these spiritual pastors. <laughs> in Ephesians, Paul is challenging us. He's saying, now you for your life, you're gonna have opportunities in your life every single day. But do you see them? 
Are you taking advantage of these opportunities? We have to open our eyes and see the needs of the people around us the way that Jesus sees them. Some of them are going to be in our very own family. Some of them are going to be in our workplace. Some of them are going to be in our community. Some of them are going to be in our schools. Our neighbors or that random person that God sends to you in a cherry orchard. Are we taking advantage of the opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus? My prayer for all of us is God, open our eyes. Open the eyes of every person in New Life Patterson. But don't just open our eyes. Don't let us stop there. We want to do something. And Paul challenges us to grow up, to wake up, to take advantage of every opportunity, opportunities to love others, opportunities to serve others, opportunity opportunity to be Jesus with skin on and to really invest into someone's life. When we demonstrate God's love, when we demonstrate God's grace, change happens. Not may happen, not might happen, it happens. And it starts on the inside of us to leave, completely leave that old person and to become that new person that he's created us to be. And we know that we can't do it on our own powers. I cannot do it on my own might. I cannot do it on my own abilities. But it starts with me being willing. One of my prayers all the time is, God, I'm available. That's a hard prayer to pray if you are not serious about it. But to say every morning, God, I'm available. Help me see people the way you see people. Help me live out with love and grace and mercy the way that you would have me to live. Finding my true identity and my true strength in him. This is my commitment. This is my challenge to everyone to make this commitment. I'm actually going to post this on social media later today so that we can all see it. To say this, I'm going to make a surrender commitment to Jesus to live out an intentionally changed life because I'm living in and with Jesus Christ. My life is different. My ways are different. My lifestyle is different. The way I think and act and respond and behave and talk are all different because I am embracing my new identity in Jesus Christ. I can't go back. I won't go back. This is my new life. I am changed in Jesus' name. I think if we all made that declaration, our lives could be so much better. Let me close with one more more story. Back in 1519, there was a Spanish explorer named Cortez. And he set off uh, on a a mission to go and inhabit and set up a new establishment on the eastern coast of Mexico. So they all got there, they landed, and man, life was hard, a lot harder than they ever expected it. Tragedy after tragedy, hardship after hardship when they got there. So some murmurs begin to happen with the crew behind Cortez's back. They said, come on, guys, let's get out of here. Let's go back. Let's go back to the life that we knew. Let's go back to what is familiar Let's go back to our families. Let's go back to our old country. Let's go back because this is way too hard. And then word got to Cortez that they were kind of trying to establish this mutiny and just jump on the ships and go back. And he's like, nope, 
because they were still under his command. He told everybody, grab your torches, burn the ships. We're not going back. This is where we are. This is our new life, and we're going to make it. The reason why I share that story with you is because I feel like that's sometimes our spiritual walk. We go from death to life. We go from our old life to our new life. Then there's parts of our old life that's pulling us back, parts of our old life that's whispering in our our ear. Remember how much fun you had? Remember when it was less stressful in your marriage because your spouse has not made the commitment that you have, and now you're in this, why don't you just go back? Why don't you forget this new life? Why don't you forget all these things that God is calling you to and just go back because it's so much easier. It's so, it's familiar to you. So go back. And I think Jesus is saying to us, nope, burn the ships. All those things in your old life that's trying to pull you back, get the torches and burn the ships. There's no going back. If you're here this morning and you're in that kind of that, that part of your life, you're like, man, I'm just wrestling. I feel like I'm just teetering back and forth between my old life and my new life. Let me just encourage you. Let me pray for you to say, burn those ships. Don't go back. Embrace the new life, the new identity that Jesus has given you. Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, thank you so much again, Lord. Each week, Lord, I thank you for this journey, this lesson that you are taking us on, this adventure of becoming and embracing the new person that you are calling, that you are, that you are drawing, that you are inviting us into. Lord, if we, once we make that commitment of becoming a follower of you, we are different. Help us, help us just embrace and live in that different. Help us to crave the things of you and not the things of the world. Help us to crave our new identity, which is living in you and with you and you living in us and through us. And Father, help us, Lord, to know, God, that when we live out on the outside, what's taking place on the inside, Lord, that people will be able to see that. They'll be able to see the change. They'll be able to feel the change. They'll be able to embrace that change in us, Lord, because we are reflecting you, Lord. We are reflecting your image. God created image. So, Father, I just pray for every single person in this room, Lord, right now, Lord, that you may be speaking to, that you may be just kind of messing with a little bit this morning, God, for them to embrace their new identity. For any of us, Lord, who may just be teetering back and forth between the old life and the new life, Lord, I pray, God, that we will jump into the new life. We will just burn the ships of our past and really live in the moment, really seize the moment of our new identity. And that'll come out in every every area of our life, in our families, in our homes, in our schools, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, our communities, and even in our world. But let us start, let it start right here on the inside of me and on the inside of your, of your people this morning, Lord. You're so good. You're so good, Lord. We love you. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Again, if you are new don't leave until you get one of, our, uh, one of our gifts that we have for you. And also, if you came prepared to give, you can put that in the giving box um, as you leave. And if you want to help out with the Apricot Fiesta, make sure you go find Robert. Robert is in the lobby right now waiting uh, to sign you up to get some help. They need uh, several more people to help them this weekend. So God bless you guys. Hey, have a great week. Hey, let me say this over your life real quick. 
I've been meaning to do this for the last couple of weeks. Listen to this. I just want to say a blessing over your life. Go and grow in the favor of the Lord. By the authority given to me by the Holy Spirit as your pastor and shepherd, I bless your families. I bless your health. I bless your mental health. I bless your marriages. I bless your finances. I bless your jobs and your children. And this week, I pray that you will grow in wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord. And I pray that your lives will be illuminated by the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray that you will recognize and receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives. You are favored. You are chosen and you are loved. Receive all of that God has for you in your lives and worship him every day this week. In Jesus' name, let our amens be amens. You receive that? All right, we'll see you next week, guys.